Hey everybody, it's Britt, lead pastor at Sunridge. Welcome or welcome back to the Sunridge Teaching Podcast. You know, we are on a mission here at Sunridge to help people find and follow Jesus. We believe in the good news that Jesus welcomes all, regardless of how far you feel from God. That means we're a great starting point to explore Christianity or to sink your spiritual roots deep as a devoted Jesus follower. For the summer, we are gathering indoors with a team teaching model that provides opportunities for you to stop and process some of the concepts we cover. If you're listening to the podcast, we recommend you too gather with some friends or family to discuss the introspective questions attached to the note sheets you can find at our website. And the podcast will note the appropriate breaks in the Sunday teachings for you to do that. If you'd like to know more about us, just check out our website, sunridgechurch.org. And of course, we'd love to have you drop in anytime for a visit and to learn and worship along with us. And now, here's our teaching for the week. We hope it leads you to encounter the way of Jesus more fully. topic for this morning is confession. Oh, and so before we get in our groups and you tell your deepest, darkest secret, we'd like to remember that in this space that we invite you, we aren't trying to ploy and go after really tough things in this space like that. We're hoping that as you look around this worship center, you do see that you're a part of a church family with just regular people just like you and me, broken flaws and all. And so if you're by yourself or whatnot, or you see people around you at this next portion, go ahead and reach out to some of those folks. We have a very simple question, because when we think about confession, it probably goes back to us as little kids and learning how to hide and not wanting to be found out. So here's your first little thing that you can share in your groups. Share about a time when you were a kid and you hid something that you did wrong. So I can remember hiding my Flintstones vitamins and my grandma finding them in the trash can. That did not work out for me. So go ahead and share. You've got three minutes, and the Brit will come up to the stage. It seems like you guys are really enjoying confessing, so that's, that's a good sign. Uh, some of you will need to continue to confess. I know that you have a long list. So uh, if you don't know me, my name's Britt. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we are in a series that we're calling Formed, which Jed mentioned. Uh, we're looking at what has become known as uh, spiritual formation or spiritual disciplines, just the way that God forms us or transforms us into the likeness of Jesus. And we've been looking through the lens of these things that are called uh, spiritual disciplines or practices. These are the things that Jesus did, that uh, his disciples and the church throughout the ages engaged in in order to, to experience more deeply that transforming, transforming power of Jesus in their lives. We looked at simplicity and solitude, submission, meditation, fasting, and we've been looking at each one of these through the lens of Romans 12, 2, which the Apostle Paul gives us a few questions to ask as we approach each. Number one is, what is the pattern of this world? And you've noticed that you know, we always start from there. Like, what, what is putting pressure on us, conforming us in a way that makes this next thing hard for us or difficult? Number two, we are asking, how is Jesus inviting us to be transformed? How, in spite of that pressure, can we move beyond that and engage in something that takes us to another level of Christ-likeness. 
And then we're wrapping up by talking about how uh, we can do this together, how we can take a spiritual practice and actually practice it. And part of this process, if you're joining us online or uh, you're listening to the podcast, is we stop in our service right here in our building and we ask questions of one another and we discuss and we encourage you to do that as well. And as Jed mentioned already, we're talking about confession today. And I wonder, like, you know, for all of us, like, we have different experiences with that, right? You know, uh, for some of us, confession, what comes to mind is maybe being in a booth, right? And actually, like, that formal process of confession. You know, I don't have a tradition of that, but I've seen it on Father Brown, one of my favorite shows on PBS. Um, maybe, maybe your idea is like a courtroom or a police, you know, interrogation room where someone gives a confession. For some of you, confession is like a private matter. It's something that you hold closely uh, to your vest. And for some of you, uh, if you go all the way back to middle school literature, you can remember some of the books that you read about the Victorian age and how uh, confession was someone standing in the middle of a congregation reading through a humiliating list of things that they had done wrong and everybody judging them. What is the pattern of this world when it comes to confession? I don't think that that's a difficult one for us to figure out because if confession is admitting sins or shortcomings, then it's pretty easy to see what the pattern of the world is that would keep us from this practice of confession. There are really two things that I think that make it difficult for us to be authentic confessors. One comes from within us, and one is an external pressure upon us. Let's look at what comes from within us, first of all. Number one, confession is difficult because of pride. Because of pride. What is it about us that makes it hard, at times incredibly hard, and even sometimes impossible for us to admit that we were wrong, that we made a mistake, that we offended or that we sinned against God or another human. Even though we know, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we know how sneaky sin is, and we know how destructive its consequences are. If you're not familiar with that word sin, sin really is just choosing my way in rebellion to God. And God has not identified sins in Scripture because he's a giant killjoy or he doesn't want human beings to thrive and have fun in life. Sin is any act that disrupts that, actually. Our original design, what is good for us and what enables us to thrive or others or the world, even. If you go back to the Genesis account, of the first human beings, Adam and Eve, sin caused people to hide from God and, of course, one another, and that sin brought consequences. It began a pattern of dysfunction in the way humans related to each other and to God and the world. And the creation story reveals that at the root of all sin is pride, because I will do what I want to do because I'm at the center of my world. 
And the Bible teaches that all of us, that pride is in each one of us. And even though we all know that we all make mistakes and we commit sins regularly, none of us enjoys being wrong, right? And we enjoy even less and possibly loathe admitting we were wrong. Rarely will we admit just outright that we are wrong, except in very simple things. Like, have you seen my chapstick around the house, which is a very valuable one? It's Burt's Bees. Any Burt's Bees fans here? Let's give it up for Burt's Bees. No, I haven't seen your chapstick. And then uh, 30 minutes later, oops, I had that chapstick in my pocket all the time. I apologize. I was wrong. Other times, we kind of will imply that we are wrong, but without explicitly saying so, like you're on your way to a wedding, to a place you've never been, and someone else in your car asks you, do you want me to look it up on the map? We're running a little behind because we've been waiting on you, and I'm concerned. And the other person in the car says, no, I got this. And then you hit traffic from road construction. And to get out of that, you end up making a few wrong turns along the way, and so you're late. So when you actually pull into the wedding venue, there's a lot of tension in that vehicle. And someone in the vehicle with you might say, why couldn't we have left a little earlier? And why wouldn't you let me use maps or even just stop and ask directions? And then that other person in the vehicle might say, okay, maybe we should have left a little earlier. But if it weren't for the traffic, my shortcuts would have worked and we'd have been just fine. And how was I to know that they were doing road construction today? This is a hypothetical situation, of course. <laughs> now, sometimes, Human beings can't admit when we're wrong in spite of all the facts being against us. Like in the case when a man serves 25 years for a murder for which he was wrongfully convicted, and in his trial he insists that there's no way that he was 250 miles away from where it occurred, and his girlfriend testifies that he was with her. And then 20 years after being convicted, DNA evidence proves that he could not have committed the crime. But the prosecution's star eyewitness continues to insist that that was the man that they saw at the scene. And the DA insists that justice was served and attempts even to block a retrial. And even though that retrial goes forward, they try to block the introduction of that DNA evidence in that retrial. See, pride is an obstacle to confession. That comes from within. Then what about the external? Confession is difficult because we fear the opinion of others. And that's kind of pride too, right? You know, it was practice early on in uh, the fire service that when you're on probation, you got hazed. That is, they, they just brought a lot of things and stresses to you and tried to poke at you. And they do this in the military. They do it in all uh, safety um, 
you know, careers like police and fire. And there, in, in my probationary year, there was a guy that we called Hershey. His name was Hershkowitz. I don't think he listens to the messages, so he, he won't know that I'm talking about him. Um, and he was just on me every day, and it was super stressful, and he played mind games with me and messed with my stuff. And um, I was telling Cindy about it one time. It's like, man, this guy Hershey's on me every day. She said, well, why don't you just tell him how much that bothers you? <laughs> Thank you, men. I'm like, oh, honey, you have no idea the world that I live in right now. Oh, but it's worth it. Um, the point is, people's opinions of us, they matter a lot. And you know, there can be a lot of good in that. It can be good for us to have friends that will tell us things and put pressure on us. But so many of us have experienced relationships or family situations or churches that don't allow for mistakes. You can't have a flaw, and you can certainly never have a question or a doubt. And it ends up being like on probation constantly. So we fake it. We put on our happy face. We ratchet down on our kids when we're in public. We don't tell our stories because we don't want to look like failures or bad parents or someone who has doubts about their faith. How many of us often know that we should just step up and admit and confess something, reveal a struggle, but we don't. We just go on. We sweep it under the rug and we hope others really didn't notice or we even harden our positions. You see, pride and fear are the obstacles to confession. Jesus once told a story that described our discomfort with confession perfectly, I think. It's in Luke's gospel, chapter 18, verse 10. It's going to be up on the screens. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector next to me. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Can you see pride and fear at work in this prayer? And you can, can you foresee if that is the context of faith, can you foresee the consequences that would come with that kind of pressure? I don't know about you, but I often find myself looking more like the Pharisee than the humble tax collector, but that is not the way of Jesus. So how does Jesus invite us to be transformed this way? If we are people who are seeking to find and follow Jesus to apprenticeship under his mentoring and leadership, Jesus invites us into transformation that begins with humble confession. Jesus continues the story in verse 13. He says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. We've looked at this passage in the past and, and noted 
how unlikely a hero a tax collector would be in the stories of the first century. But when you read this story, what was the goal of these two confessors? And then who achieved their goal? Can you see how fear and pride corrupted even this act of prayer and confession? It is totally off the rails. So what is our goal in seeking to find and follow Jesus? Jesus' invitation to follow him requires confession. And actually, that in and itself is transformation. On the topic of confession, true and false, the Apostle Paul writes in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 7, verse 10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Can you see the cause and effect of confession and hiding? Worldly sorrow brings death, but godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. And then Paul goes on to reveal kind of the sequence that is catalyzed when we are confessors. In verse 11, he says, see what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. These are the things that tip from confession. Augustine wrote, the confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. You ever done any remodeling? Anybody remodeled during COVID? I know you guys were all at Home Depot. I saw you. (laughs) Cindy and I are fans of some of these remodeling shows. Of course, we're great fans of Fixer Upper, Chip and Joanna, um, I would love for Chip to come over to my house and hang out with me. I think we'd have a good time. But we've of late even been hooked on this one called Hometown with Ben and Aaron. How about that? If you're, yeah, they're, they're great, you know. Um, anyway, I won't get, I won't. You should check it out. It's amazing what they can do with a room or a property or a house. What do all remodeling projects start with? Demolition, right? Demolition is necessary before transformation. You can't transform a home until you do demolition. Confession is demo day. Confession is acknowledgement that some things have to go before we even think about beginning work on a new look. And the church is a community of people who are seeking transformation to be like Jesus. So then it is necessary that the church is called to be a confessing community, not a perfect community. And too often we think of the church as a gathering of perfect saints rather than one of flawed sinners. We think of the church that it has to be a place where all the women are strong, all of the men are good-looking, and all the children are above average. Blake will be gone. And then how often have I heard Christians say, you know, I would come to church, but we really don't belong. 
I, some people say, have said to me, I could never go to church because everyone there is perfect and all their children are perfect. There's a great quote in his book on spiritual disciplines from Richard Foster from his, uh, the chapter on confession. And he says this, if we know that the people of God are first a fellowship of sinners, we are freed to hear the unconditional call of God's love and to confess our needs openly before our brothers and sisters. We know that we are not alone in our sin. And the fear and pride that cling to us like barnacles cling to others also. We are sinners together. Do you love that? So what if we became that community? What if we became a confessional community that realized that we are sinners together? What if in my marriage, I became a confessing partner, a realization that I am a sinner in this relationship? Or what about in my family in general, or at my workplace, or in my friendships, or in my church? I could drop the posing And I could own the fact and make it safe for others to own the fact that we are all sinners together. You know, our transformation depends upon it. And as followers of Jesus, what other choice do we have? So I'm going to kick it back to you. You're going to preach your own sermon now. You're going to make some salient points to your group, and I have a question for you, just for something for you to think about for one minute. What makes confession hard for me? Spend some time thinking about that or writing that answer as the clock goes, and then after that, I have a couple other questions for you. Four minutes to talk among yourselves, and here are the two questions. Have you ever given a confession? It can be formal or informal, right? I'm sure some of you have an experience with like a formal confession. Describe how you did it, and then what did you gain from the experience? There you go. All right, church family, we're on that last part of our Sunday morning. How can the practice of confession be a part of us renewing our minds? Part of us testing and approving, trying and seeing together what God's good and perfect and pleasing will for us is. Well, confession and God's perfect will for us are absolutely bound together. They are inseparable. And not because we have to confess in order to be forgiven by God, but because in the very act of acknowledging our brokenness, our sin, our lack, our inability to be the people we want to be for ourselves and God and others, we are nodding our heads yes and raising our hands with a hearty amen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Confession is inseparable from the good news that is God's perfect will for our lives. And that is good news that is so hard for our human minds to truly grasp. We are truly the spiritual descendants of Adam and Eve, aren't we? In that our minds operate in the exact same way when we're confronted with our wrong, when we see the ways that we have chosen poorly, chosen what is harmful to ourselves and others. What did they do? What do we do? 
they hid and we are still hiding because we know who we really are, right? We know what dwells within us, all the big and little ways we fail and we flounder, all the ways, like Jed said a couple of weeks ago, we suck and are terrible. And yet, as aware of that as we are, of our faults and our failure and our weaknesses and our struggles, we are equally something else. We are equally desperate to be loved, aren't we? We just want to be loved, truly and deeply loved. And so we hide all this yuck that is in us so that we can be loved. Because we, we just can't envision that an alternate way might be possible. And so we hide. And our methods of hiding, are, they're all different, right? They vary as they're all unique as we are here. And yet in the end, they have the same impact. And that impact is distance, separation, a wall between us and other people. And we do that with people, and we do that with God, too. There are parts of who we are, parts of our lives that we just can't bring to him. We just can't bear to invite him into because our minds can't grasp that he could know that and still love us. And so we shut him out of those parts of who we are. And yet God, being the father that he is, is like that parent sitting outside their struggling teenager's locked door, just desperate, willing to do anything and everything possible just to be let inside, just to hear that door crack open a little bit and hear their kids say, hey, can you come in for a minute? I'm in over my head here. And that's what confession is. Confession is us opening the door crack to those areas of our lives that we've shut God out of in our fear of being unlovable. It's us saying, Dad, I'm a mess, and I need help. That's what it is. And those are words that make God rejoice. They thrill his heart because it means that his kid is reaching out to him. It means that we're trying to reestablish some connection with him. Come out of hiding. Come home, trusting in how strong his love for us is. It's the difference that we see between the Pharisee and the tax collector. The, the former stayed in hiding, right? Maintained that distance between himself and God and others by focusing on other people's sins and refusing to acknowledge his own, whereas the latter reached out to his father with that heart posture of bending low, acknowledging, confessing his utter need his intimate dependence on God. And we must practice choosing moment by moment to ignore our Adam and Eve brains and instead believe that we have a father who loves us so much that he would enter our mess and our brokenness in the incarnation and that he waits for us like the father of the prodigal son, yearning for just the tiniest glimpse for us, no matter how far away we still are so that he can run to us and throw his arms around us. We confess because it is our way to believe and live and invite others into impossibly good news that we can be fully known and fully loved. So let's practice that together this week, okay? We'll start by daily meditating every single day on Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. I'm going to read those verses. 
For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is a passage that leads us through the process and into the heart of confession. We ask God to lay us bare. We invite him to penetrate our heart and show us those things that we need to give account to, down to our very thoughts and attitudes. And then we decide to hold firm to our faith, believing that Jesus Christ is proof of the impossible, that we can be completely known and completely loved. And so rather than retreating into hiding, we can instead run to the Father doing what he most wants us to do anyway, which is end this needless separation from him and go to him where we will find all the mercy and grace and help that we need to choose differently, to choose life. Now, for our practices, typically we are offered a handful of practices that we're invited to choose one of. But this week, for the practice of confession, the practices kind of build on each other. They're a little bit more progressive. And so we are hoping that each one of us here would commit to doing the first of these practices. And then as the week progresses, go ahead and try to do all of them as well. We really will get the most out of this week and out of the practice of confession if we are able to do as many of these as possible. So for the first practice, we're gonna start by doing a self-inventory of the ways that we are cho choosing or have chosen what is separate from God's will for us. We're gonna do a self-inventory with God. Making Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24 our prayer, we're gonna ask him to show us what we're hiding from him and others and other people from God. And we're gonna use Hebrews 4, those verses 12 and 13, to invite him to use scripture in our lives, to show us those areas that we have to refine, that he wants to refine in us, in his love for us. Now, this is a process that might take a little bit of our time this week, as God just does his own thing in us to show us those internal and external areas of brokenness. So draw near to God in it this week. This, this kind of brave self-examination with him is us actively practicing believing the good news. Okay, and then secondly, we're gonna actually confess to God. We're gonna go to him with those areas that he revealed to us, and we're gonna approach the throne of grace with confidence. Remember that he already knows everything there is about us, so none of this is gonna shock him. And so we can just think of it more as us approaching our dad, us cracking that door open to those areas that we've tried to shut him out of and saying, hey, can you come in for a minute? I'm in over my head here. Be sure to end your time of confession by meditating on that mercy and grace that God 
invites us into every time that we confess, remembering that mercy is not getting those things that we do to deserve, and grace being showered with abundant kindness in ways that we don't deserve. And then thirdly, we're going to confess to another person. Our inability to fathom that we can be fully known and fully loved causes us to separate not just from God, but from other people as well. So this week, take a step to tear down that wall of separation by finding a safe person that you can go to with one or more of those areas of brokenness that God revealed to you. Remembering that this is gonna be active practice in believing that good news that you can be fully known and fully loved not just by God, but by other people. So invite someone else to bear the image of God for you by offering you mercy and grace and help. And then lastly, number four, we are going to be a safe place for receiving and holding confession. This kind of uh, being a safe place for somebody else to risk Vulnerable confession is a powerful way of tearing down that wall of separation and building a bridge of connecting relationships. So this week, be a minister of reconciliation in the way that you respond and react to other people's mistakes, their weaknesses, their insecurities. Pay attention to the way that the people around you are hiding in their fear of being unlovable and woo them out of hiding with your unconditional mercy and grace. This is gonna be a powerful way for you to bear testimony to the good news and invite them into experience the good news that they can be fully loved, fully known and fully loved, not just by God, but by other people as well. And then always, as usual for number five, you are invited to design your own practice of confession knowing that you're going to look for something that will be meaningful and significant to you, something that will be a part of you practicing, believing, living, and inviting others into the good news. So that's how we're going to look forward to the week ahead for our practice of confession. We did have a week behind us where many of us were practicing fasting. How did that go? Did everybody practice fasting at some point this week? Well, you're going to get a time right now to talk about that, how that went with your uh, little group of people around you. You have a couple of questions to consider in that. How did you practice fasting this week, if you did? And what was that experience like? And then what did you learn from your practice of fasting this week that you could incorporate in your future? You have three minutes to talk about that with the people around you. Okay, now it's time for us to look ahead to the coming week with our practice of confession and talking with each other about these questions. What are you looking forward to about practicing confession this week? <laughs> what do you think is going to be challenging about confession this week? So take a few minutes and talk about that as well in your groups. Hey everybody, it's Britt again. Thanks for listening. If you need help with something, if you have a question or you'd like us to pray for you, you can reach us through email, info at sunridgechurch.org. Or if you'd like to know more about us, just go to our website, sunridgechurch.org. It's super easy to navigate. We hope you'll listen in again next week. And in the meantime, wherever you go, be the salt and light of the world.